Hi, if you join me for the first time, my name is Laurent. I'm an entrepreneur coach and podcast host. It's pretty easy for entrepreneurs to become the bottleneck in their businesses. When it happens, they are stuck. And as a result, their business is stuck. That's when I come in. I get entrepreneurs unstuck through coaching and trading. In this video, Paul Baker is joining me. Paul has been a client since January 2021. We first met when he was a guest on my podcast, Interviews Cracking the Entrepreneurship Code, episode 46. I have to say it's one of my favorite episodes. He came back a second time on the podcast for a special episode titled, How Can Entrepreneurs Stay Motivated? with a panel of entrepreneur guests. You will find the links to both episodes in the video description below. Quite a lot has happened in Paul's life in the past two years since he exited his business. I will let him tell us more about it. As I mentioned, Paul is a client and he has agreed to talk about coaching in general and the benefits of coaching for him in particular. Hey, Paul, thank you for your time today. Good morning, Laurel. Thanks for uh, inviting me uh, to this podcast. All right. So, like I said, uh, a lot of things has happened since we first uh, met back in January oh, 2021. <laughs> so oh. can, you us, <laughs> can you give us a little bit of context? What were you doing then? And what are you doing today? Well, obviously, um, when we first met, you invited me to a podcast. And I do recall at the, uh, the after the podcast was recorded, which was which was very interesting, actually. And of course, it was during the pandemic period. So life was quite different for everyone uh, uh, right around the world at that point in time. Um, I do recall you saying to me, well, as a, as a thank you for doing the podcast, you get an hour's free coaching. And me being me said, uh, oh, I don't need that. Thank, thanks very much. <laughs> Laura. That's very kind of you. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm OK, really, you know. But and you said to me, well, what have you got to lose? It's free. It's one hour of your time. And I thought, actually, you're right. I'm going to do the hour. And, uh, and you, you said to me, if, if, you know, you don't like it, fine. Nothing lost. But if you like it, well, it, you know, it could be of some use to you. And in fact, I found it very useful. I was very surprised, I'll be honest, uh, at how um, eloquent and... Um, effective you were at really managing that one hour which let's face it is not a lot of time to really sort of ask me questions that really made me stop and think and um in some ways actually vexed me a little bit because i thought well, I, haven't, I haven't really thought about that and maybe i should <laughs> so i think it was a very objective um outside questioning and probing perhaps, which really made me um, as, as a business leader stop and think a bit differently, which is always good. Um, so that led to us having, you know, me saying, okay, let, let's carry this on. And, and we, we, you know, we, we started off and, and it's been incredibly useful. And obviously 
I'm still a client of yours, as you know. Uh, people may not know that, um, even though I've exited St. Pierre now. So, you know, you were with me right through that journey. Um, and I found it incredibly useful, I've got to be honest. And that's, that's coming from somebody who was probably quite doubtful at the beginning. So that's a bit of a turnaround. Well, thank you. Thank you for, for saying that. Well, especially since when I, I remember when we started, uh, when we talked on a podcast, you, I think you said you had just like a hide, like 70 people or you yeah. went from 30 to 70 people, just, just like that. That's correct. And two years after, after you exit the business. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you're a successful <laughs> entrepreneur, right? So why did you decide to get coaching? with me what was your bottleneck that that that's a good question you always, you always ask very good questions Laura, which, which <laughs> you know, I think. um i think it's all i think it's difficult sometimes when you're leading a business because you have to make all the decisions not all of them but as a team you make some decisions as a team obviously but some key decisions sometimes it can be quite um quite lonely at the top and my business partner Jeremy had retired um, mm. the year before and we very much run the business as a partnership really me championing championing America and Jeremy really being back at base so I think I didn't really have the sounding board that I used to have so for me, it was it was incredibly useful to have you putting questions to me, making me think differently. And of course, you were very objective because you're outside of the business. So you would come from a completely different angle. Um, I think sometimes, in it, you know, it, I think any person who's leading a business knows what their strengths and weaknesses are. Um, and you mentioned about recruiting, you know, 70 odd people. Uh, which we did online, which was a real challenge because we didn't actually get to meet people. Um, I think perhaps you helped me to realize where my gaps were, which were, weren't perhaps obvious. Um, I'm sure my team would say different. They'd say, we knew where your gaps were. That's <laughs> um, your wife, she would say, or so. <laughs> she knew. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was incredibly uh, useful to me. And I think as we went through that exit process, as you know, yeah. when there were moments where perhaps I didn't have the time to spend with you, I extended it out to the team. Mm -hmm. And that also became incredibly useful to those team members. And we, we extended that across, I think, about 10 team members. And we had a bit of, a, um, bit of an agenda there. And that worked incredibly well as, as as well and I think I think in the business there was a feeling that training was the way I wasn't always convinced about training I'll be quite honest with you um, I think it, it can be very positive I think it can also be very divisive because you get pigeonholed as a person um, you know you, you, you there's all these exercises whereas I think with a coach like yourself it's far more personal and it really gets into how you think, how other, others see you, and perhaps the things that you really need to address and the questions you really need to answer. It's more of a personal conversation which gets into the nitty gritty of how you operate, what you need to do, um, which, will, you know, which will empower you um, mm -hmm. and also 
be useful for the people around you as well, which is critical in a business. So, so I was, you know, I was really interested to see how that, how our relationship evolved. And of course, obviously I, I then extended that, that to, to the team. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, it was a light bulb moment, really coaching for me. I wish I'd done it earlier in my career. That's, sometimes you have regrets in business sometimes you have a lot of regrets in business <laughs> um so why did you because that was not my next question I, th I think you just get busy doing what you're doing and you know i mean i think the very fact that you know you mentioned that figure 70 old people it really was 70 people um so i was so busy um building the american side of the business i think i think when we went into the pandemic there were about four or five of us working on what at that point was a 50 million pound uh, revenue business, profitable as well. So keeping the wheels on that took me all of my time and energy. And in fact, the four people working with me on America and some of the broader team as well, but they were split between the UK and the US. And there was only really five dedicated to the US. That's why I didn't because I, you know, I just didn't have time. Now, I know people can say, well, you've got to make time for stuff like this. It's very easy to say that when you've got a very high growth business and it's going gangbusters, um, it, it, it took a lot out. And of course, we had a pandemic to manage and that put a huge additional pressure on the pressure that we were already feeling. Um, scaling a business in the way that we scaled it is all encompassing. Um, and then when you have to go out and recruit 70 people to keep the scale going and to keep the momentum um, doing something like coaching seems a very self-indulgent or, or that's how it appeared to me it, it it had sort of occurred to me I thought about getting a mentor um, and I just thought I don't know when I'm going to find any time to give time to this person um, but I think you came in at the point where because of the pandemic I was grounded and I couldn't fly to the US that did give me more time um, and, you know, I was, I, I was in the office, nobody else was. Mm -hmm. So I think there was only four, four or five of us in the office because we we're a food business and we were allowed to, and that was, that was allowed, we were allowed to operate like that. Um, I did find myself with the time. So I think, I think it was one of those things where the timing was right for me. Um, you were in the right place at the right time and I had the space and energy to say, actually, this might be useful. I knew an exit was was on the table, mm -hmm. um, hence why we were recruiting to ensure that we, A, really we recruited to follow the growth, not to exit. But of course, we wanted to make sure that if we were gonna exit, the business was in very, very good shape um, and everything was pinned down. So it's a bit of a dual strategy, that one. Um, but I, you know, I knew that was coming. And I thought it might be useful not having been through an exit like this, like, like we did. Um, and I think anybody in, in business aspires to a successful exit. And indeed, we got that. But it's, uh, you know, we can talk about that. But it's, uh, it's, it's quite an intense process. So having you as a wingman um, was actually very, very useful at some particularly um, challenging points in the process. Because it is, it is a very, uh, it's not just... You know, people see the money with an exit, but it's actually, if you founded a business, it's, it can be quite emotional. 
because it's something you've built. It's your baby, and you're going to hand it over to somebody else. Um, you know, we, the discussions we had about what are you going to do next? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I do you know I flicked back through my notes last night that that I'd made with you over over that period just to see if there's any nuggets in there, and then there are. And uh, one of them was like, um, you know, make a list of, of your, your plan, a step-by-step -step plan of what you're going to do when you exit. And of course, um, it's that classic thing, you know, no, no plan survives contact with the enemy. <laughs> so, um, so we did have a plan. Mm -hmm. um, I think we executed some of it, or I executed some of it, but not all of it. So... But helpful. It was it was helpful to go through that process. I think very helpful. I I remember uh, when we first started talking, and we we got our first uh, coaching uh, sessions together. Yeah. You were talking a lot about purpose. You were asking yeah. yourself why 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 am I here? What is it that I and I didn't know about the exit at that time. What what is it that I am I'm doing? Do you do you recall that? I recall it very clearly, actually. Yeah. Um, I think you'd mentioned that sort of Simon Sinek um, why, you know, yeah. which, which I'm sure a lot of business people um, know. And if they don't know, it's, it's definitely worth a read. Um, it's, it's, it's very, it, we, I think we did get to the bottom of it, but it's, it's one of those tricky questions. Why do you do what you do, you know? And it really makes you think hard. For some people, it's very clear at the, at the outset, I wasn't one of those people. I sort of weaved my way through my career. I'd love to say I had a very clear vision. Um, I think my vision came later. Um, there was a vision, um, for sure, at a certain point. Um, but I think it had to slowly develop. Maybe I'm just a slow learner. <laughs> 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 no, I, don't, I don't think so so can you can you tell us a little bit about uh you know the practical benefits of coaching for you and also i'm very interested in you know this new adventure of yours you recently exited your business yeah. so now how is coaching what are you what are your expectations from coaching from now on okay so the, the first part of the question there mm -hmm is is what was my experience of coaching was that right well uh, the practical benefits of coaching. practical benefits sorry yeah um the practical benefits are active listening <laughs> which clearly i'm still practicing <laughs> um the practical benefits well i think sometimes um when if i keep it to the exit process going through that process it's it it's it's almost like an out of body experience as a founder because you you're having to talk about your business something that you've nurtured and cared for and grown and built a culture and people's lives and people's careers and you know you're into every part of it and then suddenly you have to almost disengage yourself in the process because it does become about the finances the profitability, the sustainability of the business, everything, the brand, you know, you go into so much detail in due diligence. You actually learn a lot about your business in due diligence. 
whether it's financial due diligence or commercial due diligence, you get these massive reports and they're really insightful. So just at the point, you know, you're on a trajectory where you're going to exit and leave, you start to find out all this fascinating information about your business. Mm. So you almost start sparking again, but you know, you're going to sort of jump off the cliff sort of thing. So it's, it's, it's kind of a weird um, scenario. I think practically you helped me to navigate some of those challenges and perhaps straighten my head out, if that makes sense. Um, because as I said at the beginning of this, it's, it's emotional and it's financial and it's other people. You, it's going to affect a lot of people's lives. You know, I mean, we had a hundred odd people working for us, um, which is not massive in, in terms of, of some businesses. Um, but it's still a hundred lives. It's a, it's a hundred families. And, um, you know, we had a great culture. So, you know, and, and of course there's a certain degree of confidentiality with, with an exit like that. So you have to retain that confidentiality and your natural way of being a practical, practical outcome perhaps is you have to change your demeanor a little bit. You have to sort of, you can't share everything with everybody, which we were used to doing. We were used to being very open. And suddenly you, you kind of have to close down a bit because of the nature of the process, uh, because of confidentiality. So there's lots and lots of practical reasons why coaching, can, I think, can really help in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in an exit process, particularly if you've never been through one, because it's, uh, it's a bit of a roller coaster and it can go on as well. You know, it, I mean... You could be looking at anything between 12 months and, and two years. It's a long time. It's a long time for that sustained, different approach to the way you perhaps normally operate. So I think having a coach by you, next to you, sometimes, I mean, I mean I'm sure sometimes, Lauren, when we spoke, you could probably sense a frustration with certain elements, which, which I don't need to go into here. But um, And you were able to give me, I remember one thing you said to me, I think I was particularly stressed one time. You said, <laughs> well, um, what can you control and what's out of your control? And so I talked about that. And he said, well, really, the only thing you need to focus on is what's in your control. Because what's out of your control? What's, what's the point of focusing on it? And that was actually very helpful. I, I don't know if I've ever said that to you. But that was very helpful at that point because it's that realization that, well, I can't do anything about that. It's out of my control. And then you let it go into the ether. And that's like somebody lifting a weight off your back because mm. it's something that you've probably been right in the apex of that, that you know, situation, trying to work it out and grinding away at it. You were listening. <laughs> but I'm getting better. <laughs> um and the second part of your question was was sort of more now is yeah, that right yes well it, it's i always had lots of things going on i think once um i knew we always knew there was going to be an exit there was three investors in our business um myself um jeremy my co-founder we had some private equity bgf who were very good uh, jeremy wanted to retire bgf wanted to exit that left me I had to make a decision. Uh, the management had some um, uh, equity as well. 
So I had to make a decision. Do I stay in this business potentially as a minority shareholder, having led it with Jeremy for 20 odd years? Is that going to work for me? The simple answer was no. Um, so really it kind of forced my hand, which again was something I had to get. It took, probably took me a year to get my head around that because, you know, America was on fire. The brand was doing all the things that I'd envisioned. And that's perhaps the vision. Um, it, it was doing all of that and still is. Um, and I've sort of got to jump off, decide to jump off sort of, you know, just as it's going like that. So that was quite difficult for me to get my head around, but I think you, you helped me with that. I'd always had side gigs, nothing that ever interrupted with the business. The business had a hundred percent of my time, but whatever time I did have, um, I'm just about to invest in my brother-in-law's feature film business. Um, They've made called Mad as Birds. They've made five feature films, um, independent feature films, um, with the likes of Elijah Wood, Judy Dench, Diane Keaton, Gerald Butler, Rebel Wilson. So they're 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 like the best kept secret in film. And we used to say years ago we were the best kept secret in bakery. And now I'm going back probably 15 years there. We changed from being the best kept secret in bakery to a globally known brand. Mm -hmm. That's the change. And I think that's the change that I'm going to look to help Madders Birds with. They, they make great feature films, but nobody knows about them yet. It's like they're under a bushel and yet they've worked with big Hollywood stars. So, you know, I'm going to, going to do that. Um, I've also got a charity called Rapade, which I set up in 2016. Uh, with uh, a school friend of mine who was in the military for many years and he bought me this idea with an emergency bandage that can save lives and um, there's all sorts of accidents you know bad stuff happens every day everywhere let's be honest whether it's a road traffic accident or some crime you know knife crime or or, or worse indeed as we all know without without going into that um, bad stuff goes down so he brought me this idea with this uh, bandage that they use on the battlefield and said, these should be everywhere. They should be publicly available. And I said, yeah, that's a really simple idea, but a really good idea. And I could see it was scalable. It didn't take much explaining internationally. This could work in any country in the world. So I like that aspect of it, that we could scale it. Um, yeah, and a very simple life-saving idea. So we set about that in 2016, and, and now I'm putting time to that. Yesterday, we deployed... 60 bags into taxis in um southwest um of the uk a, a town called exeter my hometown actually um we put 60 bags of four bandages in in taxis um so you know if something bad happens there's usually a taxi nearby that's our first campaign um so yeah so between charity um probably film um family as well i need to be around a bit more i've put 20 years into into you know being this uh perhaps successful i suppose so yeah i'm going to be spending a bit more time with my family which is great i gotta say um and there's there's a lot of other other um charity work that i'm doing as well there's there's actually a huge amount i think when you know we were very fortunate we we sold the business for just shy of 300 million sterling. Um, that's a huge amount of money. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I think if you can, you should. I think Lisa and 
uh, our family, you know, we're in a position to help lots and lots of people now, which is what we're setting about doing. Um, so, um, yeah, having a good time ourselves, looking after our, you know, having some nice holidays and what have you. But, uh, but doing some good stuff in the world as well, because you can change a lot of lives with that sort of money. So we're, we're setting things up to, to do that. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it, it's good, actually. It's, I think that's where a lot of business gets a bad rap, I think. Mm -hmm. Because when you look at a lot of people who exit businesses, typically a high percentage of them go on to do uh, philanthropic activity. And, um, you know, that's a force for good, which, you know, quite often there's, 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 there's there always will be bad press about business. Um, and where there's bad businesses, they should get bad press. But uh, I, th I think, I think, I think business is a power for good. Um, and, and certainly that's, that's how I see it. That's what I'm going to be doing. I'm probably not going to do much in the bakery sector i'll be honest i've given a lot of my life to the bakery sector it is my heritage and where and it's been very very kind to me where i do give to the bakery sector will be to students and the next generation and perhaps doing what i'm doing here talking about the journey and and i am in fact speaking at um my old university in cardiff to food technology students and i'll probably do a bit of that that's another way of giving back obviously you can give back in terms of um financially but um i do want to give some of my time and experience however useful for that might be to somebody um so you know so that's a different way of giving back so i will, I will be committing to that as well so yeah i've got plenty going on laurel i'm pretty busy <laughs> people think i'm retired and it's like uh i'm actually pretty busy <laughs> how about coaching in that you know busy schedule why well, keep... sorry. Well, my, my, my coach said to me recently, you've got to learn to say no a bit more, Paul. So, oh. <laughs> so it's probably a no to coaching, actually. Laura. Maybe. I mean, I suppose I was coaching people probably for the past 30 years, actually. Um, but I never coached myself. I never had a coach myself. So I think that's, that's the thing. Um, yeah, possibly. I mean, I, I think there's probably going to be a bit of that with with Rapaid, the yeah. charity, and indeed with Matters Birds. I think there will be a bit of coaching there, um, possibly. If it, if it's if it's pertinent and required, then I'd probably do it. I'm, I'm probably not going to go seeking it, but if if you know if somebody approached me, I'd probably say, yeah, okay, you know, if, you know, so remember over the past two years one particular haha -ha moment yeah i think um well i think i mentioned it earlier and this was one that i you know i should probably give you another one really um well, well yeah there's probably two it was what can you control what can't you control i thought that was very powerful actually um for a business leader because you naturally think you have to control everything um, and I think for me, it was a realization that actually I can let go of the reins on this one because it's out of my control. Mm. Like I can't do anything about it. So, so that was definitely an aha moment. Um, I think the other one, the other aha moment was me realizing that in, in, in the exit process, I'm really busy. I, you know, I'm going to do all these meetings and due diligence and there's so much to do. It's a very um, intense period. 
And I realized I couldn't get to my coaching time with you. Um, and I think you said to me, well, what about if I coach one of your team? Mm. And that was now, I was like, actually, that's a great idea. Now it's probably a bit of a sales pitch from you as well. You know, I was aware of that, <laughs> you know, but that's fine. <laughs> We're all selling, you know, um, but I thought actually, this is a very good solution and we did it and um, it worked really, really well. Mm. And then we expanded it. And, and then we, we brought all those people together for like a peer group session. That was incredibly powerful. And in fact, we had a, a party at the weekend, which was me and Jeremy's leaving party. And um, several of those people who um, had coaching with you mentioned it to me and said, that was so good. Um, and I think in the business prior to that, there'd been this sort of idea that training was the way. And I was always a bit, I don't really know. I'm not really convinced about training. Um, you know, I mentioned that earlier. I, don't get me wrong. It can be very good. I haven't got a downer on everybody's doing training. It's got a lot of positives. Um, but I think it depends on your business and your culture and your people as to whether training will work and what type of training it is. I don't like the training kind of paints you out to be, uh, uh, you know, a plant or a monkey or something. I don't know how useful that is really, really. Um, whereas the when we expanded coaching out to the team, that was really powerful. And again, I wish I'd done it earlier because our plan was, well, we had a plan which was to, you know, put um, a group of um, ladies through the coaching and then put a group of uh, men through the coaching and then put them together and really build a, a supportive peer group. And I could see that evolving, but I wasn't able to complete it. I did. I, I hope that the the HR manager at uh, Saint Pierre is is continuing with that, but that's not my decision now. So that'll be somebody else's decision. But that was that was an aha moment. It was like, wow, we can really um, we can really sort of do do some. And I did think to myself, actually, this is this is a, this is a great thing to do before I go, because really, you know, making sure that that culture and 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 you know and the individual as well it really it's about empowering the individual i think and i think what you manage to do with those with those people is empower them which is incredibly important in a business it's very difficult to achieve empowerment but it's incredibly important and it's very personal it is very personal so so yeah there was um and of course there, 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 <laughs> there were two or three things you asked me to do laura that i never did <laughs> wait, got to write a book. Got to do a podcast and do a TED talk. I didn't do any of them. Not yet, not yet. Not yet. I'm not ready for any of them yet. <laughs> but I, I do remember. I do remember one time. It was during COVID still, and it was a sad moment for you. I don't know if you. We can talk about yeah, it. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah, I remember that very well. Yeah. And, and then I had you were upset. Yeah, uh, and uh, I had you write about your feelings. Yes, yes. Do you want to talk about that? I can do. Yeah, probably uh, enough. Uh, you know. Yeah, it's um. Well, well, let's get to it. Um, Colin Bell, who had worked in our business for thirty years, 
he embodied our culture. Um, he's a wonderful guy. Um, and he was one of those people in your business that will turn their hand to anything and always be very welcoming to people. He would be the first person you'd come into contact with in our business. And he'd sort your phone out. He would sort your laptop out. He would just fix stuff. Now, he had a job as a customer liaison manager with our warehouses, and he had a really important job. But he would do all of this out of the goodness of his heart. He was just one of life's wonderful people. Uh, and um, when everybody went uh, back home uh, during the pandemic and there was lockdowns, um, Colin stayed in the office because um, he didn't have a home office. There was five of us who stayed in the office. And unfortunately, he, uh, he did contract COVID. His, his partner was a nurse. And we did everything to segregate in the office because he was uh, a Jamaican descendancy. And we knew that he was particularly vulnerable to COVID. Um, so yeah, his, uh, unfortunately his partner, um, he contracted uh, COVID from his partner and uh, within a two week period, he died. Mm. Um, which, yeah, that was, that was like a bombshell uh, going off in the business. It was, yeah, it was, so I don't really want to say a low point in my career because that demeans it. Um, it was a low point in my life because, you know, we didn't just work together. You know, when you work with somebody for 30 years, it's a bit more than working together, really. Um, and uh, he, he was, yeah, he was such a key key person in our culture it was like somebody had ripped the heart out of our culture that's how it felt it was awful awful and uh managing that was was tough because nobody could get together mm -hmm. uh, we had to hold a, a memorial online which was incredibly impersonal and difficult um and we couldn't go to the funeral we did go and line the street uh, you know spaced out at the funeral um yeah very very difficult i wouldn't wish that on anybody it, and and of course lots of people lost people during the pandemic it was a terrible period of time um and yeah you did you did say to me to to to, to write down what i thought at that point and and i did i haven't gone back to it actually though although it's it's bizarre because um somebody sent me a funny little video last night which was we me colin and janet recorded in the office during the pandemic a little birthday message for somebody and we all had to stay 20 feet apart but we were all sort of doing this little dance around the office because we we're all having to stay far apart from each other and i'm saying to janet stay away from colin don't get close to colin put that down wipe that and she's saying the same to me and it's a funny little video really um and uh, one of my team sent me that last night after, you know, we had a big party on Saturday, which, you know, which, um, which we had a little mention for him at as well. So, yeah, tough. There's, think, when things like that happen in the business, it, it, I suppose you expect it in your life, but when it happens within a business and your culture, it kind of wrong foots you a bit. You don't, almost don't expect it to happen. It's even more of a surprise. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a very, a lot of people had that experience during the pandemic. It's awful, truly awful. All right. So let's, let's move forward. It's time for your pitch about coaching. 
What would you say to anyone who'd like to know more about coaching? Here we are. We're, we're, we're talking. I'm still a client. Laura, you, people might think I've, you know, I've exited the business. I don't need coaching anymore. Actually, quite the reverse, actually. I'm embarking on a new chapter in my life in, into a charity, into a different business, in a different sector. That's exactly the time you need coaching. So I, I don't, you know, for me, this is a continuum now. It's, it's, it's something that I've found incredibly powerful, uh, incredibly useful. It's helped me to navigate um, lots of tricky situations in a, in a practical way, I might say, not a sort of theoretical management speak way, but in a very personal, well, Paul, you know, this is what you're like. Why don't, why don't you try this? Because this has probably worked for you. And I think, I think um, that aspect of coaching, I, I, I think for me, it's got far more power um, than, than, than training. Um, you know, it, it gave me a deeper understanding of me, how I interact with the team, the culture, the purpose, all of those things. And I think, I think we worked at different things at different points, Laura, depending on where I was in my journey. And of course that evolves. Um, whereas I think training, it's, it's like being hit with a blunt object repeatedly. <laughs> um, whereas I think coaching evolves with you and it changes with you. And I think that's very important actually, because my problem with, I've got, I'm going to get loads of trainers coming on to me. So you got a real downer on us. <laughs> um, I think the problem with training is it pigeonholes you and I don't like pigeonholing people. You know, I started off my career as a baker in a craft bakery in Devon. I ended up selling, you know, an international branded business. Am I a baker? Mm, I've evolved away from that probably. That's the truth. So I think people do evolve. People do change. And I think coaching recognizes that and is built to deal with that. So that's where I think coaching is really powerful. Thank you very much, Paul, for sharing uh, your experience with coaching. 